0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore datam. Well, we've uh, got several answers now. We've only got one game left. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, because obviously it matters. Everything matters at this point. Who stays and who goes. um, You know, I mean, for the Packers, if it's down to winning a Super Bowl, every single team, even the AFC, matters. And um, I, I think when I was reflecting on this weekend. I think this was a bad weekend, maybe not necessarily actually, but more mentally for Packers fans, hopefully not the Green Bay Packers themselves, but um, Packer fans in particular. I feel like this was a brutal weekend because I think it got into the Packers fan base psyche a little bit. There are some Packer fans that are on social media that are basically saying what every other Packer fan had been saying for a long time. And that is just general confidence. And I've never seen so much anger toward positive fans than I have this past week. I had somebody, I've never, I have no idea who this person is. They commented on a random, post. I don't even know if I was talking about the Packers in my tweet. And somebody commented that my optimism was disgusting or something like that. Like, what? Who are you? What are you talking about? I saw. Um, I think it was Tyler Herrick just made a pretty basic comment, like you know I'm not scared of any of these guys, and somebody just lashed out at him. There, I've said this before. There are certain prototypes of Packer fans, and there is a certain group. Uh, Mister Negative is one of them. Um, there's there's a couple different guys on Twitter that have this mentality. There's Michael on YouTube that has that mentality. They're very angry. They're very abrasive. And there are certain triggers for them, and I never really know when they're coming, but man, when they hit, all of them just, it's, it's, like a, it's like a switch in all of them that just gets activated. And this weekend was a bad weekend for them. And the reason is, we saw not just wins, but blowouts. And when you see blowouts, you assume that those are the best teams, and you look at it and say, we don't stack up. You look at what the Bills did to the Patriots and say, we can't beat the Bills. You look at what the Bucs did to the Eagles and say, we can't beat the the Eagles. You look at what the Chiefs did to the Steelers and you say, we can't beat the Steelers. A lot of people are even looking at the 49ers saying, we can't beat the 49ers, even though it was a 23-17 game. You're basically looking at a team that played a good half of football and then kind of collapsed. They almost lost this game despite the Dallas Cowboys doing everything in their power to lose it. What, they have like 15 penalties in this game? Turnovers, just all kinds of stupid stuff, time after time after time, and they were they were very close to winning this football game. I mean, it literally could have been a one second difference if that ball could have got spotted, if they would have ended up getting a touchdown on that last play. Might not be super probable, but the the point is, I don't think the forty nine ers should be put there. But I think there's just a general um, feeling. I mean, even even teams will pro- or fans will probably even look at the Bengals game and say the the Bengals dominated the rate. I mean, it's twenty six tonight. It, it was it was a pretty dominant performance, but I, I just think it it caused a lot of panic to where even basic games twenty three seventeen is kind of a boring game. I mean, there was nothing boring about that game, but there's nothing special about twenty three seventeen. But there's just something about this weekend that caused everybody to go into panic and just say we don't stack up. And I, I guess that is the one negative because. It's nice when you don't play, but then when other teams show how good they are and the Packers don't have that ability, especially for a team that really just doesn't blow teams out, the automatic assumption is we can't do this. The, the, the whole problem with this thought process, obviously, is that every single one of these teams that blew out another team has done that previously. And obviously, winning by 15 points, if, if the standard is if you win by 15 points, then you're a better team than the Packers. Um, number one, that's a really stupid standard. I mean, th- there's nothing rational about. It. I mean, I-, I understand saying I watched the game, they played really well, and I'm nervous, right? But you know, the the Bucks beating a team that really didn't hardly even belong in the playoffs by 16 points. I mean, good for them, kudos. But if that's the standard, then we never had a chance to beat them to begin with. I mean, they, they beat the Falcons 48-25, the Dolphins 45-17, the Panthers 41-17, the Bears 38-3. Those are our bigger wins. Carolina 32-6. They beat the Giants 30-10. That's 20 points. They beat the Falcons again 30-17. to I mean, at least half their wins have been complete blowout wins. This is how Tampa Bay wins. But that, that was never the question. I mean, if, if the whole point is, again, if the whole thought process is, they're blowing teams out, therefore we can't beat them, then we just can't beat them. Why did you? Why are you mad now? You should have just been mad the whole time. Well, granted, you have been probably mad the whole time. but I, And I, again, I don't want to completely dismiss it, but there's a lot of irrational nonsense based on fear. And again, uh, this prototype of fan is going to say, no, 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 I'm not being irrational. You're being irrational. I'm being the rational fan. No, you're not. This is 100% based on fear. Tampa Bay won by 16, it scared you, and now you're lashing out in anger. That's it. But the, the, so what? 16 points against the Eagles? So what? The question isn't how do they win, the question is how do they lose. Remember, they did lose four games this season. They don't lose often. By the way, neither do the Packers. But that is the question. When they lose, why do they lose? How do they lose? And, and, and make no mistake, I'm worried about Tampa. Because it's Tampa. They are a good football team. They have an amazing quarterback that just does not quit. And, and just like every Tom Brady team, they're unbelievably disciplined. So you have to play almost a flawless game, and that scares me. But for any of these teams, it's 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 number one, a question of what version of that team are we going to get? And number two, it's, it's the reality that things don't happen in a vacuum. Tampa didn't score 31 points because that's what Tampa does. You score in relation to how good your offense is in comparison to how good their defense is. And I know, you you don't like the Packers' defense. I get that. Who has a better defensive line, Eagles or Packers? It's the Packers. Who has better corners, Eagles or Packers? It's the Packers. Who has better linebackers, Eagles or Packers? It's the Packers. Who has better safeties? Maybe the Eagles, but by a nose. And that's only if we assume Mark Epps, who is like their number three safety, is included in this. Our number one safety, Adrian Amos, is the highest graded safety of anybody between the Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles. The problem is our number two is is the lowest. He's fifth out of five. Their three are sandwiched in between. But it's not even that big of a difference. Darnell Savage has a basically a 60 overall grade. Their um, number one safety has a 61.6. Their number two safety is a 63.7. Their number three is a 73. So call it even. I mean, look look at pass rush. Do you know who leads their team in, in pass rushes? In, in, excuse me, in pressures? By the way, get, get this. Their top pass rusher, Derek Barnett, has 718 pressures. That's more than, and nobody else has even 700. On their team, on our team, nobody. He has 33 Pressures. That's that's total snaps. I mean pressures, whatever, but they they're all the point is they're all relatively even. Their top two pass rushers have forty-six and thirty three pressures. Our top two have eighty-one and sixty-two. In order, it's Derek Barnett with thirty-three, Josh Sweat with forty six, Preston Smith with sixty-two, and Rashawn Gary with eighty one. Who generates pressure better? It's not even close. And that doesn't include Zadarius Smith or Whitney Merciless. Yeah, but they got a real good defensive line. All right, let's look at the Packers' defensive line. I mean, I know we're facing the 49ers. I'm just making a general point. We can go all, all the other team. It's just a general point. I'm just comparing to a team that lost and lost spectacularly. And again, I don't want to dismiss all fear. I don't want to say we're clearly the better team. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that I think Packer fans have done a complete 180 and have gone all the way to the other side of saying, I don't think we have much of a chance. Not everybody. Again, I just said there are some Packer fans who are like, that's good, we're, we're fine, we're still the better team. But the, even again, even the reaction to that has been basically utter disdain. Defensive tackles, right? They've got, they've got guys like Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, right? These are, These are really good defensive tackles. All right, well, let's look at their top two compared to our top two. At the bottom is Fletcher Cox with 41 pressures, then Dean Lowry with 42, then Javon Hargrave with 61, then Kenny Clark with 64. It's pretty close to dead even, if I'm being completely honest. Fletcher Cox and Dean Lowry are basically the same guy. Javon Hargrave and Kenny Clark are basically the same guy. Now, Kenny does have quite a bit more opportunities or attempts than Javon Hargrave, so you can maybe give that to to Hargrave, but again, it's similar. By the way... Not a single defensive tackle, <laughs> this is kind of staggering and scary, not a single defensive tackle for the Eagles or the Packers has an even decent run defense grade. Tyler Lancaster is number one with a 56.4. The bottom three are all Eagles, which should tell you something also. Milton Williams, 43.9. Javon Hargrave with a 30.6. Hassan Ridgeway with a 28.4. Uh, Fletcher Cox is is second highest with a 55.7 below Tyler Lancaster but again we are better at, at bringing pressure on quarterbacks right and even from a statistical standpoint and, and again I don't want to take away from the Buccaneers but who is the scariest Tom Brady threw for 271 yards and two touchdowns he was sacked four times against an inferior uh pass rush that's not a bad day for Tom Brady but it's not that special the running backs the the best running back. Um, was, I guess, from a yardage standpoint, Keyshawn Vaughn, 17 carries, 53 yards. The only guy that had a really big day was Mike Evans, 10 targets, 9 receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Gronk was talked about a lot, 6 targets, 5 receptions, but only 31 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown. So, I mean, they they were more methodical than anything else. It wasn't that they just, you know, anybody completely just blew up. You know, you don't have a running back with 150 yards and 200-yard receivers and I mean, it's 31 points, man. It's it's it, it, If anything, it has more to do with the Eagles offense just not responding. I thought the Eagles defense actually was doing a good job for a, for a larger portion of the day until the dam broke and it just kind of fell apart. They had opportunities. They just were not scoring. They didn't score until the fourth quarter. That was the biggest problem. And, I, and I'm sure people will say, well, the 15 was even garbage time. Yeah, probably. Exactly. That is my point. And by the way, if your offense isn't doing anything, it's going to help the other team's offense because they get more opportunities and they get more time. And so, you know, I mean, if maybe we came in a little, maybe some people came in too optimistic and when they saw teams win by a lot and they realize, hey, these are good teams, they got scared. It's the playoffs, dude. It's the playoffs. There is no easy route to the Super Bowl. And again, this is the problem I have is so many people think that the Packers should have a team that's just so good they waltz in. They should just waltz in. Why, why why, why haven't you built a team where there's no fear? Why am I scared? Why am I watching Tampa Bay win by 16 and I'm scared? Why do I watch San Francisco play one good half and I'm scared? It's because you haven't built a team that's so dominant they can't lose. You should have more Super Bowls. You should be more dominant. Your wins should be bigger. All these things should be b- bigger and better. Dude, it's the playoffs, man. And And especially this first round, look, there are some teams that kind of just didn't super belong. I mean, Cincinnati didn't necessarily dominate on the scoreboard, but Cincinnati is a young, up-and-coming, talented team with a dominant quarterback. The Raiders are just none of those things. They're a team that is in shambles, and kudos to them for having that grit factor to overcome the massive amount of uh, um, adversity to win enough games to even get into the playoffs, but they're not on that level. Tampa Bay against Philly is an absolute joke. Again, like I said, completely young group of guys, quarterback, coach, everything. I mean, yeah, you got Fletcher Cox, but the guy is, is, he's so, he mentally knows what it takes to win, but he also probably mentally knows that this team doesn't have what it takes, and he doesn't have what it takes anymore from a physical standpoint. San Francisco and Dallas was was one, San Francisco and Dallas, New England, Buffalo, were the two games that were actually kind of close, and, you know, again, kudos to Buffalo for, for blowing out New England, but again, like I said, that's how those teams operate. That doesn't mean Buffalo isn't scary. Of course it is. Because if you get that version of Buffalo, you kind of don't really lose often. But here's the thing. We've said that about the Packers. The Packers at their best can beat anybody. Why didn't they win more Super Bowls? Because somewhere along the line, they didn't play their best. Look what happened last year in the playoffs. They were, they were a dominant football team, an unbelievably dominant football team. They went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, and they got embarrassed. Suddenly, they're not so dominant anymore. Because it's the Chiefs, dude. It's a different animal. You know, it's one thing to just ride on that win. You know, when you're just riding high and you're just unstoppable and you keep going. But what happens, look at even the Chiefs when that game started against Pittsburgh. They got punched in the mouth and it was like, ooh, it took them a while to kind of get their footing. And fortunately for them, Pittsburgh offense couldn't do jack squat, who would have guessed. And so it gave them the opportunity to kind of get caught. And by the way, this is classic Chiefs football they play where you think, oh, man, they're, they're not even going to win this game. Well, I never really had that thought ever because it's Pittsburgh. But you know how they start off slow and somehow still manage to score 42 points despite, what, punting their first four, four times in turnovers or whatever? They still put up 42. That's classic Chiefs. So, yeah, all these teams are terrifying. And I, I've, I've said that all along. I don't want to face any of these teams. I don't want to face Dallas. Not because they can't play like garbage, because we saw it. But but that's the problem. We, and I said this yesterday. We look at the the recency bias is so borderline embarrassing. And not just from fans. I mean, media members and everybody else. You look at the most recent information and just say, that's everything. So suddenly now, San Francisco, I I, I guess I don't know what they are. Because again, they they played one good half and one kind of atrocious half. But Dallas is now, what, a laughingstock? This one game is going to undo an entire season. They had a good season. I'm not trying. Listen, not a Cowboys fan. Don't like the Cowboys. If anything, I'm glad they lost just because the fans have been chirping way too much. Kind of, they need to be humbled, although they're Cowboys fans. They don't know how to be humbled. Cowboys fans and Bears fans are similar in that way. They're going to come back just as strong next year. Next year is going to be our year. That Those two fan bases are just, they're, they're tight at the hip. They have a common ancestor somewhere down the line. Those two teams' fan bases are the exact opposite of the Packers fans. Packers every year are a dominant football team, and all we gotta hear is ho hum, why aren't we good enough? Oh, we suck, we're the worst. Can't even be optimistic as a Packer fan without getting just thrashed. You're an idiot. Why are you so positive? You're disgusting. You disgust me. <laughs> really? That's disgusting? And again, it's 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 a hundred percent fear. It is don't even lie. All that tough guy bravado is is nothing but a cover for fear. You're anticipating being embarrassed. And you don't want to be on the side of being embarrassed because if you cheer for the team and they lose, you feel like you lost. And that's embarrassing to you. That's an affront to you and your manhood or something weird like that. And so if you stand on the outside and say, I am above this and I'm, I'm looking down on you, how dare you be so pathetic? Why are you guys so pathetic? When they lose, you just laugh and go, ha, you deserve that, you bunch of losers. I said it all along. It's okay, dude. Just go root for your team. You'll be happier in the end, even if they lose, which they will at some point. I promise you, you're going to watch a loss at some point. Even if they win the Super Bowl this year, you know what? They're not going to win it next year. You know how I know? Math. (laughs) In the next 10 years, they may not win one Super Bowl. Would that be surprising? No. Is that a catastrophe? No, because most teams will not win a Super Bowl in the next 10 years, because only 10 can, and that's assuming there's no repeats, which would mean 22 teams didn't win a single Super Bowl. So yeah, dude, again, I don't know what else to say. It's the playoffs. It's the best of the best. And yes, it was unfortunate seeing some of these teams just dominate. But next week is going to largely, pardon, largely be different. Bengals and Tennessee probably is not going to be a blowout especially in Tennessee. The Bengals have an offense that can maybe do it, but they didn't even do it last week against the Raiders. Why would they do it against Tennessee? Especially against a team that likes to just smash on the ground. Probably going to be a closer game. You know why? Because it's not the freaking wild card against the Raiders. That's why. Buffalo, Kansas City. You think Buffalo's going to put up... I mean, and and that's the thing. Who's going to put up 47 against who? It's going to be a closer game. One of these teams is going to be humbled. San Francisco 49ers. I know everybody's terrified because we think this is, what, 2017 all over again or whatever year they were good. 2019? I don't know. Again, they almost lost to Dallas. They only scored 23 points, okay? So let's just calm down. Are they a good football team with some good players? Of course they are. they got a solid offensive line. They have a capable quarterback. They got Kittle, they got Debo, they got Ayuk. That's a good group. And yes, Shanahan has got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. As an offensive play caller, an offensive play designer, he's a creative guy. He may not be Andy Reid in terms of just wild, wacky, kooky stuff. But, but that's just the nature of the system, the exact same system the Packers run, by the way. I think they just have more wrinkles than we do. Probably because they, I don't know, they have more players that are capable of, of doing. I don't know. I don't know why. But I really don't have any reason to believe that this is going to be a blowout. I really don't. The only way that happens is this absolute psychotic tear that the Packers offense has been on. The Packers offense that got back three offensive linemen. Packers offense that has largely been driven by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams being the the best quarterback and wide receiver duo by a mile, no matter what Des Bryant says. Completely unstoppable for five, six weeks now. The only way is if that stops, and maybe it will, but there's there's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing I can predict. I can't sit here and say, well, based on this, that, or the other. I'm just going based on the information I have. If the Packers collapse, the Packers collapse. There's no, I, I can't do anything about that. If they just don't show up, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. This is exactly what I said when the season ended last year. I don't know how to fix that. All I can do is tell you this is what the team is, and it's a very talented team. And if you don't want to believe that, you don't have to believe that. That's fine. Packers are the number one seed for a reason. They, by the way, beat the San Francisco 49ers last time they played for a reason. They beat them last year for a reason. For some, Again, for some reason, two years ago feels more relevant to a lot of Packer fans than the last two years in which we are 2-0 and against the 49ers. Well, they've had injuries. and uh, Oh, you mean the circumstances were different? Yes, I know the circumstances were different. Just like this is not the same 49ers team, not even close. If you look at the last three years, we're just looking at point differential right here. Again, that's just sort of a dominance metric. In terms of point differential, so we're talking about um, 96 teams, right? That's that's three seasons worth of teams. The fifth best team over the last three years is the San Francisco 49ers in 2019, in fact, I think they're even better than that because that's not a per-game metric. They would be better than Dallas in 2021 on a per-game basis. Let me check Buffalo. So they're fourth. They're the fourth best team. It's it's Baltimore in 2019, New England 2019, Buffalo 2021, and then 49ers 2019. Fourth best. Uh, after that is the 2021 49ers. You know where they rank? 32nd. Okay? Not the same team. All three Green Bay Packers teams, by the way, are better than the 2021 San Francisco 49ers. 2019 Packers are 31st, so one spot ahead of them. 2021 Packers are 26th. 2020 Packers are 11th. Are so if we go in order, and by the way, remember, we've beaten them the last two years, so this makes sense. That team was the best team of all the San Francisco 49ers and Green Bay Packers teams. It goes first and foremost, the 2019 49ers then the 2020 packers then the 2021 packers then the 2019 packers then the 2021 49ers that's the order if we look at dvoa which again it, zero is an average is an average team um and then above that is is just how how much what what percentage better are you so it's a, it's a nice metric where you can actually kind of compare from season to season this year the san francisco 49ers are 19.5% better than your average team in 2019, they were 29% better. By the way, the Packers that year, 7.7%. That's a pretty massive difference. San Francisco, 29%. The Packers, 7.7%. Yes, they were considerably better than us. And so, you know, listen, if, if, I'm, if I'm Matt LaFleur, and, and I thought this, and it, every game I watched, I remember prior to this game, I remember thinking to myself, if I'm the head coach, there's one message. There's one message I'm telling my team, and that's play disciplined football. Play disciplined football. It's unbelievable how how often you can watch, especially playoff football, because again, we're talking the best of the best, and a lot of times it comes down to discipline. The least disciplined team is the one that loses. It's amazing how often that happens. And it's not just penalties. It's drop passes. It's fumbles. It's it's simple special teams mistakes like um, touching, grabbing the ball, and then stepping out of bounds rather than stepping out of bounds and then touching the ball. Little mental things like that that make the difference between starting at the 2 and starting at the 40. You know, errant throws. Even little things like running wrong routes or or whatever it is, all these little things all add up. It's also why Tom Brady has been so good over these years, because his teams have been so disciplined, and Tom is so disciplined, and they just don't make mistakes, and that usually carries them. You you don't have to win. Half of these games, you don't have to win. San Francisco didn't have to win. They just had to let Dallas implode, and they did. The Cowboys tied an NFL record for most penalties in a playoff game. It just comes down to discipline. Discipline. Mike McCarthy's Cowboys handed the 49ers a win in their own stadium in the playoffs, just because they just weren't disciplined. They weren't ready to play, and and I can't really talk a big game because that's the Packers' favorite thing to do—just completely fall apart. That's the thing that gets them every single time. Whether it's Mike McCarthy, Matt Lafleur, it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is. For some reason, guys just—I—I I, I don't know. I, I almost don't even want to rehash it, but. Again, the, the fact that you start hearing guys like Devontae or whatever else talk about how guys just weren't really focused. Like, how could you not be focused? How could you be anything but focused? How could there be anything on your mind other than winning a football game in the playoffs? What else have you been doing? I, I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I can't fathom it, I guess. But they had 14 penalties. And so many of them were absolutely critical, just just killers. I mean, you, you drop that in half from 14 to 7. I think the Dallas Cowboys smashed the 49ers. And by the way, Dallas, if, if you want to talk about power, you know, because that was the other thing, Mister Negative was, oh, you were talking up the Cowboys like they're so good, right? Because they are. This this is there, there's a seeming disconnect, right? Same with the Packers. I, I say the Packers are really good, and then they go in the playoffs and lose and fall apart. It's like, oh, I thought you said they were good. They are good. There's a difference between having a ton of talent and being a good football team and just not showing up. All right. If you if you take the best, you know, you know, they they they've got these steak competitions where you got some of the best steak. Grillers in the world, they show up to these things, and if you win, you get like a thousand bucks or whatever. But show up with their PK grills and slap their steaks on there. They got it down to a science. You got to pick the right ribeye, you you, you put it on the uh, put it on the one side for a certain amount of time, then you flip it at a, for exactly this amount of time, and then you put it over and you sear it for exactly this long, and the, all these different things that you, he's, they've got it down to a science. They are very good at making steak. If you go over to their house, and he's having a big old fight with his wife, and he's in a bad mood, and his kid's mouthing off to him, and you're like, hey, man, let's uh, make some steaks. He's like, yeah, whatever, and just slaps it on the grill and walks off and starts you know, getting back into an argument with his kid. And it's like, hey, uh, you want to flip this? Or... And he burns the steak, and you, you get like a well-done t- That doesn't mean he's not good at making steak. He just didn't put effort into making this steak. Oh, I thought you said this guy knows how to make a steak. He doesn't know how to make a steak. He's an idiot. No, you're thinking wrong. You've come to a really wrong conclusion because you don't know how to think about this. He, no question, knows how to make a stake, right? It's not even debatable. He just didn't put effort into your stake, and so he messed up your stake on this particular stake. He is very good, and he messed up this stake. The Dallas Cowboys are very good, and they messed up that game. Dallas Cowboys, number one in DVOA. In the entire NFL, number one, 30.9%, best team in football based on DVOA, they got embarrassed by the San Francisco 49ers. Which again, is, it's, it's exactly the point that I'm trying to make to you. We can't get hung up in recency bias. We, we, we reshape our entire view of the universe based on what happened most recently. T- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the most dominant team in football. The Dallas Cowboys are frauds. No. The Dallas Cowboys are very good and had a bad day against the San Francisco 49ers. You got environment, you've got matchup, you got all these different things that equated to the Dallas Cowboys not putting out the full image of what they are. Dallas could have easily won this game 43 to not easily, but it could have it could have just as easily been 31-15 Dallas over the 49ers and we would have looked at this and just said, "Yeah, dude, Dallas is number 1 in DVOA. We should have seen this coming." They're the biggest powerhouse in the team, number one offense in terms of points and yard. They're an absolute freakish team. They scored 17 points. So again, we, we, we tend to read backwards into stuff. We, we, we now redefine the entire Dallas Cowboys season based on this game. We now redefine everything we know about Tampa Bay based on the fact that they beat Philadelphia 15-31. Tampa Bay's a powerhouse. We can't beat them. Kansas City, who, by the way, is ranked 17th, they won 42-21 over a pathetic Pittsburgh Steelers team that nobody thought had a, a single chance in the world. And suddenly it's like, well, nobody's going to beat the Chiefs. Why? Again, I'm, I'm very impressed by Buffalo. But also, again, that's kind of what Buffalo does. But every single team here has lost. Every single team here has lost, including Dallas. How does a team like Dallas, who's arguably the best team in football, lose a game? Because it's freaking football, dude. When Tampa loses, when are they going to lose? How are they going to lose? I don't know. Maybe it'll be next year because they win the Super Bowl. Maybe it'll be this year. Who's going to beat them? How are they going to lose? I don't know. Did they lose in the regular season? How did that happen? Did they ever have bad days? Did they ever make mistakes? Did Tom Brady ever throw interception? Did we ever see Tom Brady grab a tablet and smash it into a bin because he was so mad because their team was so pathetic? Has that ever happened? Or is that history erased from all history because they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 15-31? to 31? They're all good football teams, but we got to calm down. We don't know what's going to happen. We didn't know what was going to happen in the Tampa Bay game. We didn't know what was going to happen Buffalo-New England. Again, that could have been 47-17 New England. But we pretend that was never a, 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 an outcome. New England was never going to win that game, and Buffalo is the most dominant team we've ever seen. That's a new narrative based on one game we just watched. we got to be smarter than this. Next, next week, who wins, Cincinnati or Tennessee? Don't know. But if either team wins big, we're going to suddenly change the narrative that this team is the team to beat. If Tennessee beats Cincinnati 45 to 17, we're gonna say Tennessee is just an absolute powerhouse and there's no da-da-da. No, dude, Tennessee is a quality playoff team that sometimes plays really well, sometimes doesn't play super well. And if you got one team that's really good playing at their best and another team not playing at their best, you, that's how you get these big point differentials. It's like we just assume everybody gives hundred and ten percent every single game. So if a team if one team beats another good team by by twenty five points, then you you just know. That's how you just know. Right, San Francisco beat Dallas, and Dallas is is elite. So therefore, San Francisco is even more than elite. Right? If if, if Dallas is number one via DVOA, then then San Francisco is like .5. Right? Their rank is .5 because it's it's a higher number. <laughs> they rank above them. No, dude, Dallas just sucked because sometimes stuff happens. You know? I mean, it just, I don't know what else to say about it. So uh, it, look, it, I understand the anxiety. I understand the stress. Um and unfortunately I can't take that away from you because the likelihood the Packers win the Super Bowl is low. And it's not because they're a bad football team, it's low for the 49ers, it's low for Tampa, for Kansas City, for Buffalo, for Tennessee and it doesn't matter what team you pick. It's not low for Tampa. Did you watch them? Yes, I watched them beat Philadelphia. Did you watch Buffalo? Are they going to beat Buffalo in the Super Bowl? I thought San Francisco was so good. They're not oh, suddenly they go up, so so if they play the Packers, they're really dominant. And we can't win, but if they play Tampa, they're going to get embarrassed. By the way, we don't even know if we're going to see Tampa because Arizona and L.A. have a potential to beat that team. If you don't think so, how about you look at the one time they actually played the Rams and the Rams beat them 34-24. to 24. Oh, that was week three, that doesn't count. Okay, well, whatever. They did, and they've never played the Cardinals, and that is a completely different animal. We know from playing them ourselves, that is a really different kind of football team. Watching the speed of that team, it's it's a thing to behold. It's it's crazy because it's it's just and that's the other thing. Every team has a different flavor to them. There's different styles. I mean, playing Kyle Shanahan and playing Andy Reid and and playing Cliff Kingsbury, they're very it's not just talent. It's not just a matter of ranking first, second, third, fourth, fifth. There's matchups. There's how does your offense compete with that defense? Coach Hahn even was chiming in talking about the 49ers. And, and here, let me read his comment. And it's, it's just a small example. I mean, there, there's, there's hundreds of these different things as far as just different ways to look at things. How, why did I get logged out of Discord? So here, here's just a comment he made while watching that 49ers game. He says, also, Green Bay's inside linebackers are much better than Dallas's. Worry not about San Francisco's 21 personnel offense. Think about that. Just, and, and think about how many different things you can look at just in, in terms of personnel, in terms of matchups for wide receivers and, and and certain play... San Francisco is going to build a completely different game plan for the Packers. They're not even going to play the same game for reasons exactly like this. And that's the thing. We don't see stuff like this. All we see is San Francisco ranks this high. We rank this high. Therefore, we're. it's so far from that. Football is just a... It's a... Un- Go watch the Chalk War that we did on YouTube. When you, when you watch stuff like that... By the way, I had a lot of fun doing that. Go... Uh, uh, Packer Night podcast on YouTube. Coach Hahn versus um, Sam Holman on Twitter. He's Sam underscore D Holman. Um, but we we did our second one. We did this one live. It just it it's uh, football is so unbelievably in depth. And and as fans we have and and it's fine. I don't want to go in depth with these things. I unlike Sam and Coach Hahn. You know, uh, Coach sent me a book one time and I started flipping through it and and it just sapped it sucked the joy out of the game for me. It's so unbelievably cerebral. It hurt my brain. And I'm like, this is this is making it, you know, it's it's almost like I've built football up to be something that it's not in my brain. But I'm okay with that. I don't want to know. But on the other hand, I I need to know just enough to know what I don't know. So that I don't make silly errors like saying, well, this team is better than this team, therefore that team's good. It's way bigger than that. But just think about what what he said in that one one thing. They're crushing a team using one certain personnel, right? This is a matchup that they liked. So they said, we're going to play them in this way because we like the matchup and we're going to be able to beat Dallas. Not we can beat everybody in the league. We can beat Dallas playing this style of football. And and Brian is saying that's not going to work against the Packers. So they got to think of something else. They can try that. But he's saying, based on what he sees from our Packers defense, that isn't going to work. So if they try to do what they did to beat Dallas, they're going to lose, which is why they're not going to do what they did against Dallas, right? Just like the Packers are not going to game plan for... That's why they have game plans, by the way, because you need to study your opponent and understand what they're good at, what they're bad at, and try to figure out what you're good at and you're good at, bad at, and try to take what you do well, match it up against what they don't do well. And un- unfortunately, a lot of games are won and lost at that point, right? Because it's not easy to rebuild a game plan on the fly. You can't go into halftime being like, all right, look, here's what we're we're we're, we're scrapping the entire week's worth of work, <laughs> <laughs> Where I, I I rebuilt something in, in thirty seconds and you guys have four minutes to listen to this entire game. That ain't how it's gonna work. I mean, you can make adjustments, but there's not a new plan. And we even heard Aaron Rodgers and, and some other people talk about quote unquote halftime adjustments. Uh, Manning and all these guys are like, there's no time for adjustments. You go in, you take a leak, you drink drink a glass of water and you gotta run back on the field basically. It's more of a rah rah, hey, we're gonna we gotta commit to the run. We gotta okay, got it, coach. Yep, see you out there. They're not like rushing to the to the blackboard and he's over there, you know, drawing up the power sweep like we're going to hit him. We're going to smash him in the mouth. I need you to pull. No, Malafleur's going in there. He's clapping his hands. Come on, guys, we're doing great. You got to you got to smarten up. We got we got two more quarters to go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, sounds good. Give me I'm I'm tired, man. I'm gassed. Just I'm just trying to sit here for a minute. All right, here we go. Back outside we go. But, I mean, it is—I mean, I'm, I just—I just, I don't even know why I'm on Twitter, but I'm just perusing it, and right away, what what do I see here? Um, I don't want any part of the Niners next week, and apparently this took place after, like, one or two drives from the 49ers, so the game was far from over. Comments, agreed. They're really good at all things Green Bay that could give Green Bay trouble. Another Green Bay team destined for the Super Bowl gets ousted by a 49ers run game. Nope, never happened before. Agreed. There's even—even even one of the positive comments here is— um, Packers fans said this about the Eagles too. I'm assuming talking about the year we won the Super Bowl. When did we become the underdogs in this freaking game? This is getting stupid. This is getting stupid. When do we become the underdogs? Right? (laughs) Suddenly like, oh, well, we thought we'd lose that game too. And we pulled it out. Just have faith, guys. Have faith in what? We're the better team. Good Lord, you guys. This is is borderline embarrassing. There's, There's nothing wrong with having perspective. Nothing wrong with being realistic and saying, hey, you know, it's not a guarantee. We might, you know, it's a, it's a tough team. We'll see what happens. We did beat them earlier this year, but, you know, it's a new team, new day. Uh, we'll see what happens. People need to calm down, man. I mean, I, I, I get the general anxiety, but I'm going to have to tune all you guys out. I'm going to have to get off Twitter, and I'm going to have to start blocking people on my phone if this is how it's going to be. We haven't played a single game. We haven't even gotten our first opponent, which is the lowest-seeded opponent, at home... As the number one seed once again, and we can't even sit. You know, people talk about the Cowboys fans being trash, and, and granted, there were a couple of guys throwing trash on the field. That's that's garbage. Those people are are pathetic. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks. Like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And as much as I rag on Bears fans, at least they support their freaking team. I'm I'm just so tired of this. I'm so embarrassed by this. The the coward the cowardly mentality of so many Packer fans. Again, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we might not win. No duh. But we're all cowering in a corner, acting like we're underdogs as the number one seed. It's pathetic. Now I know why this was so quiet. My microphone thing got turned all the way down. Anyways, it, it is. It's just it's embarrassing. I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of the whining and complaining. Number one seed, we've done nothing but dominate all the way to the to the playoffs, win the number one seed. They've done nothing wrong. And, and they're being, cha- I mean, l- l- listen to this. And I know he listens and he always, he doesn't like when I do this apparently, but I'm going to give him another shout out, Mr. Negative. Th- this this is, encapsulates everything about this situation. Mr. Negative, you know who you are. I love you, man, but I'm going to start, I'm going to keep using your content if you keep sending me stuff like this. Here's the message. So we choke next week to a warm weather team. What an embarrassment. That's the tweet talking about the 49ers. He's embarrassed, about something he made up in his mind that hasn't happened. He's embarrassed by this team. He's embarrassed by the Packers who are 13 and 4, the number 1 seed in the NFC, the number one, one I mean number 1 team in football if you're looking at the Titans and the Packers, right? He's embarrassed by the Packers. They have a bye week. They're not even playing. He's embarrassed by them. Because the 49ers are coming and he just imagined in his mind we're going to lose and he's embarrassed. I mean the the the, the preemptive disgust of the Packers because we can't handle the emotional damage that's coming if we lose, which again, statistically, is the more likely outcome. Not because we're bad, but because that's the most likely outcome for literally every team in the NFL right now. Nobody's got a 55% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Nobody even has a 45% chance. But that, that, that encapsulates everything that just annoys me to no end about this mentality. Oh, I'm just a realistic fan. No, you're being ridiculous. You're being miserable. Can you ever, for once, please support the team? Ever. Seriously. I'm talking directly to you right now. I'm not going to say your first name because you're pretty active in the group, Facebook group. But, serious question because I've I've been getting your messages for years now. Last year, you predicted the Packers would lose every single week, and you were wrong every single week. I literally think like the one loss where you 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 didn't say anything. It might have even been in the playoffs, which is why we lost, because you didn't predict that they would lose. You started to feel optimism, so maybe you should say negative. But really, have you ever supported this team in anything? You're constantly trashing everybody on this team, the team in general. The only person I know that you support is Aaron Rodgers, but you only use that as a club. You use Aaron Rodgers as a club against Brian Gutekunst and everybody else, how bad everybody else is, because Aaron Rodgers is so good, we should win a lot of Super Bowls, and we don't because our defense sucks, our offense sucks, our coach sucks, our GM sucks, everything sucks. Everything sucks all the time. Never, never, never. And it's the same thing whether it's him or um, Mr. Negative on Twitter or Mr. Negative on YouTube. Even when, so they'll, they'll do something like trash A.J. Dillon. Trash, 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 trash. And then it becomes good and they just move on to the next thing. There's never a moment of, you know what, I was wrong and I'm so happy. Nope. I'm just moving that to the side. I'm going to find something else to be angry about. Now it's Amari Rodgers. Right? It used to be Rashawn, and now Rashawn's good, so we don't talk about that. Right? Adam is the the fake name that he uses on Twitter. He would never shut up about Rashawn Gary. I haven't seen him in a long time, because I've been telling him, Rashawn Gary's not a bad football player, and every single game, it it would be 30 seconds into the game, and I would get a a tweet from him, where's your boy Rashawn? Because he doesn't have a sack yet. This is how demented... This general portion of the fan base is. Where's your boy Rashawn? Thought he was good. Why isn't he getting sacks? They just went down and got a touchdown. I didn't see any sacks. Uh, uh, who 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 gets a sack every single series? Nobody in the history of football ever. But you just demand. You just demand. You must do this. If somebody gets a touchdown, it's because we suck. Where's Rashawn? He should have got a sack and saved us from this. Where does that come from? But again, now Rashawn is, is universally seen as a good football player, and they just go away. Adam, Mr. whatever his name is, Adam or whatever is gone. He's just gone. I'm sure he'll pop up with somebody else. But but again, now it's, and then it's, you know, AJ Dillon or whatever. And Jordan Love. Oh, they love talking about Jordan Love. Why? He's irrelevant to this team. He is a backup quarterback. He's entirely irrelevant. Because what's more important than the success of this team, than rooting for this team, is trashing the team. And finding the very few flaws in this team and pointing it out. Even if the only flaw you can find is a backup quarterback... And yes, you better believe I got the T.J. Watt tweet yesterday as well. We could have had T.J. Watt. I know. So could everybody. He went to, in the back of the first round. Everybody passed on T.J. Watt. Yes, that was a miss. Every it happens to every team every year, and it's never going to stop happening. If you want to fire a GM because he had a miss, your team is going to suck so bad because you're going to keep firing good GMs until you have nobody left, and then you're going to be with guys that just don't pick any good players. Right now, we've swung the pendulum from. Uh, guys who sometimes pick bad players to a guy that almost never picks good players. There is no GM that doesn't make bad moves, doesn't make bad decisions, doesn't get bad guys. But I have very rarely seen a GM do as good of a job of talent acquisition as Brian Gutekunst through the draft and free agency. But we don't talk about the positives. We don't talk about Rashawn Gary. We don't talk about A.J. Dillon. We don't talk about Elton Jenkins. We don't talk about basically this entire roster that was constructed by Brian Gutekunst, whether it be Yash Runyon, Myers. No, I mean we don't have an offensive line without Brian Gutekunst. Billy Turner. I literally just got the tweet right now. I just just this second, we could have had TJ Watt six o'clock in the morning on the dot. Who do we draft instead? Was it Vince Beagle? Yes. In the fourth round, we took Vince Beagle. But again, the, the, the point is it's not even a debate that it was the wrong move. That's not debatable. It's your belief that you're not allowed to make bad decisions. It's, it's it, And again, it, it ties into everything I've been saying. We, we go from what we know now, and we, we Monday morning quarterback. Nobody knew T.J. Watt was going to be good. Nobody knew. People said they knew, but they didn't know. Just like they say, th- these same people say they know that so-and-so is going to be good. And then when they're not, they just disappear, right? We don't talk about that anymore, right? Everybody knew Brian Burns was better than Rashawn Gary. And now all of a sudden, Rashawn Gary is one of the best pass rushers in football. Brian Burns is a nobody. We don't talk about that anymore. We don't see all these people screaming about how stupid they are, how they should be fired as fans or whatever. It's not about defending a decision. It's about accepting reality. It's about accepting that it is an imperfect science. Everything about football is imperfect. There is no perfecting this. There is no perfect process for the draft. You know why T.J. Watt fell to the back of the first round? Because he was a flawed prospect. There were certain things that they didn't like. And with every single prospect, I mean... Rashawn Gary went as early as he did because he's an athletic free. He could have easily been drafted and it never materialized because having the, the ceiling doesn't mean you're able to do it. On the, on the flip side of it, you got some guys that are great football players, but they don't exactly have the athleticism or any of these kinds of things. And so you worry when you get to the NFL level, it's not going to translate. And there's so many players that are really good at football that don't make sense. They shouldn't. Even Devontae. As I've said about Devontae, go watch his college tape and tell me you knew that this guy was going to be that good. I watched his college tape. I, I didn't I didn't see it. I mean, you compare that to guys that we watch these days that are, I mean, just, you know, Henry Ruggs with his speed and all that kind of, all these different prospects that are just freaks. These giant size monsters and, and the Debo Samuels, the, the, you run after the catch types. And I don't just mean Debo because he's good, but there's so many guys that are built exactly like that. I mean, Amari Rodgers is very similar to Debo. It's not materializing that way, though, is it? But you take a guy like that because you hope it will materialize. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And it can work or not work for a billion different reasons. But you don't know which of these things are going to hit and which of these things are going to miss. There's a mental component, a physical component. There's, There's so many different things that are involved in whether or not somebody becomes a good player or not. And you don't know which of these things are going to be good or bad. Right. It's it's ones and zeros. One is good, zero is bad. And it's gonna be a collection of ones and zeros. And what that all materializes into determines whether or not you're gonna be a good player or not. Guys like Devontae, it's all ones down the line. Everything just went perfectly right. He just got it. He understood it. And that certain skill set that made him a second round pick. In other words, they looked at it and they said, if he can hone this with his ability to do this, if he can really hone that, he can be a great football player. But that's that's not looking at but but if that certain thing doesn't work, he's not gonna be very good. He's only six one, he runs in the He's not a very fast receiver, right? If if, if if the positive part of his game doesn't materialize and the negative side of his game does materialize, then he's going to be a garbage receiver. It's going to be a bad pick, and all the fans are going to be screaming, what a stupid pick. You picked Devontae. This is the team. These are the guys that picked Devontae. What do they know about anything? They didn't know. They didn't know Devontae would materialize into what he did. Nobody did, or he would have gone number one overall. Nobody knows anything. Tre- Look at Trevor Lawrence. The guy has almost no flaws. But again, look at environment. Look at all these different things. There's so many factors. There's a bazillion factors. Yes, I just used the word bazillion. There's a bazillion factors. And these scouting departments look at every little nuanced thing. And and, and a guy like Trevor is safe because he has very few flaws and such a high ceiling and all these great attributes, but it still comes down to ones and zeros. And if you get a bunch of zeros and the ones are not material, because you always have to make a jump from college to the NFL. But you just assume that if you have a lot of really high attributes over here, that it'll be easier to translate, but they still have to translate. And it's not translating for him. He's not able to overcome the adversity, partially of just how good NFL defenses are, but also when you don't have an offense around you, you don't have a very good head coach around you, and so you can't really build, and then things start to fall apart, and then you just kind of get up in your own head. And it, again, a bazillion is the only correct word. Factors in these things, and to get so hung up on, oh, that was stupid. That was a stupid pick. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. No, everybody didn't know, and that's why it's also stupid when these guys start laughing at guys like AJ Dillon, especially guys like AJ Dillon, because there's nobody in the entire. You you will. He is a once every five to ten year prospect at running back, just like Rashawn Gary is a once every ten year prospect off the edge, as far as just athletic profile. And I understand you watched tape, and I understand he didn't do certain things very well. But you also have to understand that if they can get those ones, right? And he's still not even there. He has not peaked at all. With his size and speed, Derrick Henry is his ceiling. All those stats, all those accolades, thats his, he has not reached his ceiling. Not even close. And so we're still accumulating the ones and the zeros. And by the way, the zeros can turn into ones. That's why you don't give up on guys like Devontae or Amari or anybody else. Because things can change, Right. That might even be a better way to look at it. They're all zeros when you get there. It's just a matter of which ones are going to take over, what's going to happen, which of these attributes are going to start to click, and you're going to start to understand, and they're going to start to materialize. They're starting to take over for A.J. Dillon. And to laugh at a guy that has that high of a ceiling, because I, I didn't see certain things that I liked in college, therefore it's impossible for coaches in the NFL to cause those things to materialize in an athletic profile like A.J. Dillon. I understand you, you can step back and say, I don't think it's going to work out based on these things, but to sit and laugh, it just shows a complete lack of understanding. And, and again, it's just being up in your own head so much. You believe in your in your own uh, prowess and, and, and uh, it's just a complete lack of understanding of the depth of this game to know that you, no matter how much you know, you don't know. And people that really know, people that really dig in, the more that they dig in, you know what, the more they realize, the more they realize they don't know anything. Coach Hahn knows more than I do about football. He also knows more than I do how little he knows about football. He has a better and deeper understanding how little he knows about the game than I do. I've told the story a thousand times, but I remember John Madden talking about when he went to a football clinic for, um, for uh, Vince Lombardi, right? Vince Lombardi was putting on a, a thing. It was like an eight-hour long seminar. And he started talking about the power sweep. And it was it's one play. It's one freaking play. He said he spent four hours talking about it, drawing it up. On that one play, the fundamentals, everything you need to understand about why this works, how this works, the execution, every single detail for four hours. And then they took a break. I think they came back and they they talked about it again. It was eight hours in total or however However long this full thing was, and the point is, John Madden left there. He said he was a young kid, real cocky, thought he knew everything. And and by the way, John Madden probably was one of the better minds in football as a young guy coming into the league or whatever. I mean, brilliant even at that point. But in that moment, he realized as he learned more, because he learned a ton, but as he learned every new thing that he learned, he realized, I don't know anything because you get into the minutiae. And every time you zoom in, there's more. And every time you zoom in more, there's more right? It's like exponentially. You get to this next level, and it's a level on top of a level, right? There, there's there's uh, 11 players on the field. But for each of these players, there's 10 different, you know, fundamental qualities per. Well, that's exponential growth. And for each of these qualities, there's, there's 10 more individual things. Well, now, now, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? And, and you can apply this to everything we've talked about today, whether it's the draft, free agency, or even just looking at these upcoming opponents. Tampa Bay better. We lose. We stupid. Dem smart. Dem fast, we slow. Dem strong, we weak. Uh, yeah, I guess, man. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Again, I, I understand that these are, yes, they're good football teams. 100% they are. So are the Packers. There's no guarantee. I can't promise you a Super Bowl victory. I can tell you statistically we're probably not going to win, but not because of any kind of flaw. It's just it's just math, and you're going to have to ad- find a way to deal emotionally with what might may or may not happen upcoming. But I also would recommend you find a way to try to enjoy this process and at the very least be appreciative for what the team is. We are not underdogs in this game. I'm sorry to tell you. The Packers at home in two-degree weather against a team that they already beat this year, that they've beaten the last two years in a row, with a, a top quarterback, number one or number two, I guess, better quarterback by far, number one wide receiver, solid offensive line, one of the better running back duos in all of football. I mean, we go through the list again. It doesn't mean we win, but it certainly doesn't mean we should come into this with our tail between our legs saying, well, we, I guess we're going to lose again. I'm, I'm just, I, again, I'm just not going to put up with that. If you don't want to be just blindly optimistic, I understand that. I understand looking at people going, I'm not scared. We're going to win and thinking that's silly. I get it. There's nothing wrong with it, and I think people saying that know that they're just being supportive and optimistic for the sake of being supportive and optimistic. It's not a rational thought, and they know it. The problem is, you're being equally as irrational, but you think you're being rational on the other side. That's the biggest difference, and that's why you annoy me and they don't. Because number one, they know there is an outcome in which we could lose, but they're choosing to be supportive and positive just because they're Packer fans, and that's usually what fans do. And most other fan bases do the same things. Chiefs fans are super pumped up. I'll go through the list. Cardinals fans, Rams fans, Bengals fans, Bills fans, Bucks fans, 49ers fans, Chiefs fans, Titans fans. I guarantee you it is optimism across the board. The only place you're going to find this kind of toxic garbage is among Packer fans. And it's pathetic and it's embarrassing. It doesn't make you more rational. It just makes you scared and angry. Find a, a more productive way to be a fan. Okay, so we get it. You, you, you think the 49ers are going to win. Why don't you actually dig into it a little bit? It'll help your perspective. Actually go find some information. Don't just sit there and watch it and say, oh, Bosa got a sack. He's so good. He can't be stopped. We're going to fall apart. I remember 2019, which was, again, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. But do some research. Do some homework. The whole premise of of what you're saying is that you're more rational. Fine, go be rational. But in order to be rational, you can't just sit there, watch two plays, and say we're going to lose. That's not rational. That's silliness. Go do some investigation. Go do some homework. There's positives for the Packers. There's positives for the the 49ers. You know why? Because they're both high-quality playoff teams, and we don't know the outcome. And I'm sorry we don't know the outcome. The positive fans don't know we're going to win, and you don't know we're going to lose. More than likely, it's going to be a real close game. You know why? Because that's pretty much how the Packers play all their games. It's going to be close. It's going to be down to the wire. Who's going to win? I don't know. Guess we're going to have to wait and find out. This is a very emotionally taxing time of year. It's scary for everybody because nobody wants to go through what Dallas went through. Nobody wants to go through what Pittsburgh went through. Nobody wants to go what Philadelphia went through. New England went through. Las Vegas went through. Um, and what, you know, whoever's going to be playing in this next game went through. But you know what? Every single team in the NFL is going to go through it at some point except one. And if you can't emotionally handle it, you're going to have to go watch something else or do something else. And again, you can message me if you want to have a discussion. But just the outright silliness and just anger at anybody even being positive. You're so stupid if you think the Packers are going to beat the 49 That's insane. Don't do that. That's insane. Again, it's not rational. Nobody believes you're rational. Nobody's impressed by it. I promise you nobody's impressed by it. Go go look around Twitter. Go look at what guys like uh, Sam Holman are doing. Uh, guys like Coach Hunt. Look at the in-depth amount of information and content that they provide. That's rational. That's in-depth, right? You look at, at Dara, right? He's just throwing out stats, throwing out information that you can use and utilize to to grow your understanding of things. That's what rational is. That's what That's what... You know, that's what you're pretending you are. Nobody's looking at your tweets of of just anger and rage and and pessimism and saying, wow, that's a rational human being right there. You know why? Because it's not. These are not deep thoughts. This is not deep thoughts with Jack Handy. Actually, that, that might be what it is. It's about that deep. No, it's not deep thoughts with Jack Handy. It's more like lowered expectations. Got some throwback essence. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in like 20 years. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? And I I really think some of you guys should start a podcast. And I'm not even just saying that to be a jerk. I mean, there's a a large fan base that thinks the way you think that would love to hear just screaming into a microphone. To be completely honest, that's how I started this podcast. It was a lot of just screaming into the microphone because I started it when the Packers were terrible and I was just angry all the time. But I mean, that could be your intro music, like lowered expectations. Everybody comes in like, yeah, we got a game. And you're like, this team sucks. We're going to lose. I don't know. It's worth a shot. I think the biggest problem with that, though, is It's on record, and everybody's gonna hear you be negative. And, and, you know, again, if you try to be negative with this team that has won 13 games, you're gonna sound stupid more often than not. And if you're gonna trash draft picks, you're gonna sound stupid more often than not. If you're gonna trash free agency, you're gonna sound stupid more often than you're not. At at least as long as you. You're going to have to do a little bit different than things like I do. You're not going to be able to revisit things. You just say things and then move on and hope nobody calls you on it. But it's a podcast. There's no interaction here, aside from people tagging you on Twitter. But I would just not have a Twitter for your podcast. You can just come on, say what you want to say, never revisit anything when you're wrong, and move on and just get angry at the next. It's worth a shot. I don't know. It's something to, something to ponder. I think it would actually be pretty solid if there were like two of you guys. Just, just just you know, screaming. Maybe one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I I'll be honest, I would listen. I don't listen to a lot of Packers podcasts anymore. Occasionally I do, especially now I have been kind of ramping it up, just making sure I'm not like missing anything kind of major and seeing what other perspectives are or whatever. But I think I think I think the Packers podcast space needs that because there's a certain contingent of Packer fans that I think is just not being fed. And so they just turn around and they bother everybody else. They need a, a home for themselves. Mr. Negative, I think you should honestly consider that. They, there is a a large portion of this fan base that wants to just hear a quote-unquote rational opinion on the Green Bay Packers and not all this overly optimistic fluff, right? So go do it. Now, you, you're also going to have to understand that I am going to listen and I'm going to be pulling sound clips and we're going to be doing sort of like laughing at the enemy but laughing at you almost every week. But it just comes with the... T- it's promotion. It's free advertisement for you. So there's nothing really to be mad about. Anyways, uh, I got to get going. I, it's one of those things where I was like, all right, we got to take a break soon. Let me just get this one more thought in here. And then all of a sudden we're at 45 minutes. It's like, well, I guess we're not doing that. But again, I, I just think that's, that's where we're at right now. People watch blowouts and it's scary. And it is. I mean, I, I watched it and thought, oh, shoot, right? I mean, I just, I just wanted to see teams play bad and, and the teams that were the most scary didn't play bad and that sting. But we didn't really learn anything. We saw good teams that have been blowing people out all year blow out lesser teams, that's, that's what we saw. That's what we watched. They are who we thought they were, right? I'm not going to play the clip. I just, I got to get going here. But that's, that's it. But you also need to remember the Packers got the number one seed for a reason. They also win lots of football games. So let's just relax. Uh, I know San Francisco scared you because they played one half kind of well. But let's just take a breath. Take it easy. One step at a time. We need to beat the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming week that'll give us an opportunity to watch some of these other teams. They're going to be playing better opponents. I'm predicting significantly less blowouts and we'll see what happens. That's all we can do is take it one step at a time. For all we know, Aaron Rodgers is going to, you know, twist his ankle on the way to the stadium and not play. And then we're done. And that's the end of the season, right? Or, or Tom Brady can, you know, he gets torn hamstring doing his uh, Pilates or whatever. I don't know. We don't know. Just take it nice and slow nice and easy one step at a time try to find a way to support your team if at all possible like every other fan base does you can do that rationally or irrationally there are there are ways to do that you don't have to just be blindly optimistic you can still be positive and rational the only way to be ra- it's not true that the only way to be to be rational is to be negative that's not true despite what you think that's not true so anyways i uh having a hard time getting out of here so let's just end it you folks have yourselves a great day i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye